Well, I want to welcome you guys to Powerline Community Church, especially those of you online as we're gathered here worshiping God. I just love being in the presence of God, don't you? Uh, I am so looking forward to that time when we're going to be with God forever and ever and ever, no end in his presence and enjoying his glory and enjoying his presence and enjoying all of his creation, okay? No longer under the curse, no longer sin binding us and leading us to do things that we regret, but just enjoying his favor and blessing throughout eternity. That is just going to be so absolutely amazing. And we get to get just a little bit of a taste of that when we're worshiping God and spending his time in his presence. You know, I just love that so much. Well, we're going to, tomorrow is Mother's Day. So I'm going to be preaching a Mother's Day sermon tonight um, and kind of going off the, uh, the series for just this week. And I want to speak to you mothers. But as I do that, I think you're going to realize that, we, that, that, that what, I'm, what I have to share with the moms really is per- pertinent for all of us. Now, before I pray, I do, want to, I do want you to know, for all of you moms, it says 101 Inspirational Thoughts for Mom. Okay, and we have this book and we want to give it to you. So what I'm going to ask you to do, um, Diego and, yeah, Diego and Saxon, could you just take these? And if you need more, we've got a few more up here, but could you, moms, if you're a mom, could you raise your hand and we, let's hope not. Okay, so if you're a mom, raise your hand and we want to get a book into your hands, okay? And uh, if you're online, I'm so sorry. Maybe you'll have to come in and we'll get you one. But regardless, we want to celebrate you moms tonight. And uh, you know, kids, listen to me right now. You make sure you do an absolutely A-plus amazing job celebrating with your mom tomorrow. Thanking her. Um, she gave you birth, okay? That was hard enough. The truth is, we, we have amazing moms in this church. We really do. So let's go out of our ways to say thank you to them. Let me, go, let me go ahead and open in prayer as we begin and open the word, okay? Father, thank you for this opportunity right now for your spirit to calm our hearts and speak to us. Father, we want to hear what the spirit says. Your word says that those who overcome have the right to be able to sit with Jesus on his throne, and we're going to live with him forever. And then you say, Those who have ears, let them hear. And that's what we're praying right now, God. Give us ears as your church to hear what your spirit would speak to our hearts. And would you do that, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I am so used to over years and years and years since I've been married, giving my mom a call. And I've not been able to do that the last couple of days on Mother's Day because she passed away. Um, probably within the month, I think it, it was with uh, when my dad passed away. They were so close. Um, but I know she is in heaven and she is looking down. She is enthroned with Jesus and just enjoying the, the rapture of being with him in his presence. And I, I want to read just a few things. These are quotes um, that I, want to, I just want to share with you moms, Okay. Here's one. It's a Chinese proverb, and it says, there is only one pretty child in the world, and every mother has it. Now, I suppose, that, understand, that's a Chinese proverb. Since two, but it reads differently now since 2015. I think it would probably read, there are only two pretty children in the world, and every mother has them, if you understand what happened in 2015. 
Number two, I want my children, this is Phyllis Diller, if, if you know Phyllis Diller. I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford. Then I want to move in with them. <laughs> the phrase working mother, Jane Selman says, is redundant. Amen? Yes. Milton Berle once said, if evolution really works, how come mothers have only two hands? Right? Yeah. Irma Bombeck once said, when your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? It's simply a mere formality. <laughs> Deneva Jordan, a mother, she says, a mother is a person who, seeing there are only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces she never really did like pie. Um, here, here's one. That it's, it's unknown, but it says, a mother's hug lasts long after she lets go. And here's, here's one more I want to share with you. Mothers hold their children's hands for a short while, but their hearts forever. Can you say, aw? I have one more quote for you. There is no way to be a perfect mom, but there are hundreds of ways to be a good one. Now, I can remember, it, it was a while ago, it wasn't this past year, trust me, but someone actually complimented me on my lawn. And I don't have the best lawn, especially not this year. And they actually said, your lawn just looks so green and so full. Now, I, I, I believe this person said that only because they had seen my lawn driving by it from the street. They had not cut my lawn as I had, with some help, of course, from my kids. And I knew where the bare spots were. You just couldn't see them too well from the street. And so, but I, I humored her and I, I said, Thank you very much. But inside, I knew where all the imperfections were. You know, a couple of years ago, I think it was a couple of years ago, for the first time, I had seen. Hosanna Fura's drawings. How many of you have ever seen Hosanna's drawings? Aren't they amazing? I mean, truly amazing. I was flabbergasted, and I said, did you draw that? I mean, of course she drew it. It's right there. She had a lot of them, right? But I, you drew that? And she said, yeah. And I said, it is, it's amazing. It's absolutely perfect. And she said, well, I mean, I like it. But it, And she started showing me some imperfections, and I was like, what? This looks amazing. Now, here's the relevancy of what I'm sharing with you. Moms, you are amazing. And you deserve so much praise. You know, I, I'm going to agree with bones here. You ladies spend so much time beating yourselves up. Someone need just, needs to just tell you your drawing is amazing and put it up on the refrigerator. They need to tell you your lawn looks great. You understand what I'm saying to you right now. God has given you so much. He's poured so much in you and through you and blessed you. You are doing what God has created you to do. I want us to look at a mom that... I realize there are some people in our world that think she was perfect, 
but she was not. And I believe that's absolutely significant for us to realize that, to grasp from the text today what we want to read. Her name was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Can you imagine being the mother of Jesus? Can you imagine the weight of responsibility on your shoulders, knowing that you're not perfect, knowing that you're going to mess up, and wondering, what if I make a mistake with the Son of God, right? What are the implications of all of that? But I believe that her heart was settled, even in the midst of her imperfections, and let me even say, more than likely, inadequacies. Is there anyone sitting sitting here tonight that has never experienced inadequacies? Of course we have. I'm sure Mary did. The weight of that responsibility on her shoulders. I believe God gave her a good man in Joseph. Don't get me wrong, but... Can you just imagine that? I want to read some verses to you. It's in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to end up focusing really on just one thing that she says in response to this. And I want to develop that. And I want us to see something that I hope will encourage you moms as your kids celebrate you tomorrow. This is when the angel Gabriel comes to, Mar- comes to Mary in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going ju- to read just, I'm going to skip around, but I'm going to read several verses, okay? Verse, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, that is in the sixth month of Elizabeth's, um, yeah, Elizabeth's pregnancy with John. So in that sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 32 and 33. She's going to give this child the name Jesus. And 32 says, He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 38, excuse me, 37 and 38. For nothing, the angel said, is impossible with God. Now listen to Mary's answer. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Verse 42. She's visiting Elizabeth. And in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Then 46 to 48. This is what's commonly called Mary's song. It says, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Did you catch that in the beginning? And actually throughout these verses that I read, the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, and greets her, you who are highly 
favored. Now, it's very possible that she is only highly favored because God has chosen her among all the women ever to live on planet Earth, ever, 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 to be able to give birth to God the Father's son, Jesus. Mary had been chosen. That would be highly favored. But this idea of highly favored many times, I think we're going to see this, brings with it this idea of you are favored for a reason. You who are highly favored. And then throughout, it says things like, um, verse 42, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Verse 45, I didn't read it. Blessed is she who is believed. And then it concludes from now on in verse 48, all generations will call me blessed. If you were to look at Psalm 127 and 128, you will realize that children are a heritage. Children are a reward. Children are a blessing to parents, to moms and dads. So they are a gift that God gives to them, and they're a blessing. But listen, I'm going to read something to you. In Proverbs 31, concerning the, the woman, the noble woman, it says this, her children will arise and call her blessed. Now, I'm not thinking that what they're saying is, hey, mom, God gave me to you. You're blessed. I'm not sure that's what they mean by that. They will arise and call her blessed. Why? Because of what God has done for her, the gifts God has given her, poured into her life, blessings that he has poured into her life, including, and this is the context of Proverbs 31, her character and wisdom. So this is something that she's right being, her children rise up and call her blessed because there is character and wisdom that God has given her as a gift. And then her husband also and praises her. Why does he praise her? Because there is something about this woman that is worthy of honor. So here's what I'm saying. God is saying to Mary, you are blessed. And in that, meaning God has blessed you highly with a child, but he has also blessed you because of who you are. There is something about Mary, and I want us to see, and it's so very simple, but there is something about Mary that, I'm going to put it this way, from a human perspective, qualified her to be able to raise the Son of God. She was not perfect. There is no way for anyone to be perfect, but there are many ways to be good, for her to have been, for Mary to be, for you to be a good mom, okay? The phrase that I want to focus on is found in, verse one, is found in chapter 1, verse 38, and it says, I am the Lord's servant. Now, in view of this amazing blessing that the angel is declaring, I mean, she's going to give birth to the Son of God. <laughs> There's a lot of stigma that's going to be attached to that blessing as well because she is not married at this point. And she, they're going to assume a whole lot with, between her and Joseph. 
But she, this, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Now, if someone is a servant, then that means someone else is the master. And the master here is called the Lord. God is the master. She is the servant. And I want us to realize she is submitting to the master. And moms, even Mary, she is submitting to the master because it is the master that's going to bring this about. It's the master. It's God himself, the sovereign, who is going to be giving her birth to this child, the child's going to be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This is a prophetic word. It is profound. Mary's child will have this place of supremacy above all in God's kingdom. Now, can you imagine Mary now feeling so very inadequate? But you see, it is God that is going to bring this to pass. Did, did you know that Mary had at least seven children? Obviously, Jesus. The Gospels give the names of his four brothers. And then he, he also had two sisters. So one plus four plus two sisters. And she, he could have had three or four sisters. We don't know, but at least two because it's in the plural. So at least seven children. Did you know that one of the, that three of those children, one of them spoke scripture, two of them wrote scripture. One spoke it, that was Jesus, two, James and Jude wrote it. So I'm going to suggest that not only is favor upon her to be able to raise Jesus, but there are two other children that were going to write scripture. Now, maybe some others held prominent places, we don't know, but my point is this, that there was a call, not just on Jesus' life, but at least two others, and I'm going to suggest all of her children. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Moms, you may not have given birth to Jesus, okay? Granted. But I tell you what, God has blessed you moms with your children. And there are going to be times in which you feel like the woman in, what is her name, by the way? Alice, Allison, right? And you feel so inadequate. You beat yourself up. But the truth is, God is giving you grace to be able to accomplish all that God has called you to because there's a calling on your children. There is a blessing that is ready to be bestowed, and he's going to use you to pour out that blessing. He's going to use you with your character, your wisdom, inadequate as it is, to be able to pour into this child enough of what that child needs. Because God... He's the master. He's superintending all of this. He didn't just superintend Mary's raising of Jesus, but James as well, and Jude, and I'm going to suggest all of her children, an imperfect woman, but she learned how to be a good mom. And all of you ladies can do that. I can imagine the weight of responsibility because of the expectations. Shepherds knew about it. 
Magi knew about it. Her husband knew about it. The shepherds then went and blabbed all about it in, in the city of Bethlehem. There was a lot of people who knew about this. And I can only imagine this feeling of expectation when she got back to Nazareth. You have a baby and like you just got married? What? Oh, but this baby is a special baby. Expectation. Oh, really? I can only imagine the feelings that she could have had. She was not perfect. I'm sure that she failed like all of us. She didn't always live up to her own expectations of herself. Let me remind you again, Bones, when he said, you're not good enough for who? For you? I want you to listen to this, Mom. Many times your question is consistently, what should I be? If that's the case, you will constantly compare yourself with the ideal. What should I be? What should? You see, do you just feel that bar being raised? You'll constantly compare yourself with the ideal, the perfect, and you'll be, uh, and you'll be unknowingly driven by law, by mandate, by compulsion, and by expectation. Your focus will always be on where you failed because of what you should be. Maybe you should ask a different question. What could I be? I believe this was the question that Mary, as with, with, with God himself as her master, it was, what could I be? Now, here's why. Because then you'll be driven by this sense of potential, by possibility, by anticipation rather than expectation, by anticipation of what the Holy Spirit could do in and through you. Your focus will be on where you have succeeded or could succeed and not where you failed, not on how you're not good enough. Ask the right question. Not what should I be, but what could I be? Bear with me, just a few anecdotes I want to share with you on that, those two, concerning those two questions. One will drive you into the ground, the other will drive you forward. One glares at you and says, nope, the other stares at you with hope. One feels like such a weight, the other says, you just wait. One focuses on where you fall short, the other on where you can rise tall. You say, what could I do? That acknowledges God is the master. He's in charge of my destiny and the potential and all that's going to happen. Not what should, but what could. What could God do? And in that, we're going to find this sense of partnership with God. I'm not afraid to use that term. We, we have actually been invited to partner with God. Now, understand it is a completely unequal partnership. Let's get that straight. God does so much, and we simply receive by faith, right? By grace, you've been saved. Did you add any ounce of power to you being saved, your sins being forgiven, translated from darkness to any of that? Did you contribute to any of that power, any of that? No, you didn't. You simply, by faith, received it and yielded to him. That was your part. That's an unequal partnership, but a partnership nevertheless. And I want to encourage you that in this partnership, God is the master. 
Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. I want us to look at something. Because as much as God is doing in this partnership, Mary is the servant. That's how she viewed herself. Mary is the one yielding. With all things, in all things, no, excuse me, nothing is impossible with God. I got that right finally. Nothing is impossible with God. And she is yielding to that. Okay, nothing's impossible. Ladies, can I ask you, do you feel that way sometimes? Do you feel as if as you're trying to raise your children, like, well, God, why did you give me only two hands? And, and you're trying to accomplish all of these things to be the good or perfect mom. You're falling short, and you're just wondering, wow, God, I, I feel like I can't do this. Here is what God is asking you to do. Can you just surrender to me? That's what the servant does. The servant is simply about the master's will. But here is a key in serving. When I became a dad, wow, did I quickly realize this. Serving means I do it in particular when it is inconvenient. That is probably one of the most difficult things for any of us because serving is always, just about always, always inconvenient. Moms especially. You don't choose when the child cries. You don't choose when he soils his or her diaper. You don't choose when the child falls down and cries bloody murder and you've got to run to their rescue. You don't choose any of that. It happens in life, and it will almost always happen at inconvenient times. Mary was no exception. You know, I, I think many times we so super spiritualize Jesus and we, in, in, in understanding that he's God but forgetting just how human he was. Jesus had poopy diapers, church. Yes, he does. He was sinless, but he wasn't perfect in that he didn't make mistakes or didn't make a mess. He cried in the middle of the night at very inconvenient times. And Mary had to feed him when he cried. Because that is what God has given a child. That's, that's like the only way that child can communicate. Jesus was not born with an adult personality and knowledge. He had to learn his Aleph Bet Gimels, just like everybody else. He had to learn how to add and subtract and multiply and divide and maybe even got into the Pythagorean theorem. I don't know. But the truth is Jesus had to learn all of this. Jesus spilled milk. Yes, he did. Jesus probably broke some of his dad's tools in his shop. I'm sure he did. Because Jesus wasn't perfect in that sense. Jesus was perfect in the sense that he was sinless. But he was human, just like you and me. And he imposed on Mary. Especially as a child. And when he was 12 years old, you remember that story. But the truth is, Jesus did many things that Mary responded to to serve him. But Mary responded with the servant's heart. I'm sure that Mary made her mistakes. But the truth is, 
in all things. That was the go-to. I'm just the Lord's servant. And I'm going to be submitted to him in this moment. I'm going to be surrendered to him no matter what. You know, my wife, many times, um, had to sacrifice so much for our children as they were growing up. One of the things that she did, I mean, there was many, one of the things that she did that's kind of surprised me is that we made a choice to, not to baby-proof our house, but to, uh, how did we put it, to house-proof our baby? (laughs) In other words, we taught our children what they could touch and what they couldn't touch. Now, we're we're not going to be stupid. We're not going to place something very breakable like glass within their reach, but there were many things that we put within their reach that they just were not to touch. Now, one of the things that they were allowed to, and this is what surprised me, was a bookshelf. And my wife, on the first two levels, had books. Now, there were certain books, not the precious ones, but if they got ripped, okay, she could deal with that. And I asked her, so, Meredith, why do you put the books down? Because every time I came home, those books would be on the floor, like all of them, two books, two bookshelves, just on the floor, and she would be cleaning them up. And I said, sweetheart, why do you do that? She said, because I want them to get the feel for books. I want them to love books. When Kate pulled all the books down and threw them on the floor, she would sit down and thumb through them. When Juliana knocked all the books off onto the, sh- onto the floor, she proceeded to rip them. When Rose knocked all the books down, she proceeded to sit down and color on them. And when Shine, looked, when Shine threw them down on the floor, she just laughed. Jim didn't go anywhere near the books. <laughs> Instead, I took Jim out to the garage and I said, feel the lawnmower handle, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Very inconvenient. You know what? When our children inconvenience us, it's so easy when we don't have that servant's heart to yield to anger, to yield to frustration, to yield to hurt. How dare you disobey me? Mary went through so much of this. And I'm going to suggest that she did because that is what happens between moms and sons and daughters. There's an inconvenience in all of this. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in this, I've got to do it exactly right. And I believe that Mary had one basic principle that she lived by. I'm just a servant. How can I serve you? And yes, it's inconvenient. But how can I serve my my sons? Five sons, at least two daughters. She was busy. I can guarantee you she wished that God had given women more than two hands. You know, Meredith made a choice. We made it together, but she made the choice that we were going to homeschool. And I realized that with me working probably two jobs for most of my life, that the brunt of that is going to fall to her. Homeschooling was incredibly inconvenient. But we would never wish that we did otherwise. And, and that's the heart that God gave my Mary, my Meredith, my wife, 
And that is the heart of a servant. You know, sometimes about the only thing that we can do is, is to just simply pray as a servant, the Lord's servant, Jesus, love my children today through me. Jesus, love my children today through me. What would that look like in your life? I'm going to guarantee you it's going to be a lot of inconvenience. And even the servant, when inconvenienced, is tempted to be angry, is tempted to feel hurt, defensive, want to throw up their hands because it's the fourth time Jesus spilled his milk, right? Or that she changed his, I just changed your diaper. Are you serious? Right? I'm sure Jesus had a blowout on the way to the synagogue more than once. That's just the truth. This was the total inconvenience of raising moms. That has happened to you how many times with every single one of your children on the way to church or right before you leave church? Yeah, they want a nurse or they have a blowout in their diaper, and so you're late to church. I'm sure she was late to synagogue more than once because of Jesus. But her heart, that mindset, that go-to challenge to her was, I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. And in this partnership, as we yield to the master, he makes that burden of responsibility lighter. Why? Come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take upon you my yoke, for my burden is, what church? Light. Jesus' burden is light. Because in this partnership of the Lord's servant, he does so much as we just simply yield. Yield our bad attitudes. Yield our wrong hearts as we just yield to him. And as like that little eagle, I'm just going to do what God's called me to do here. And he will give me the grace to do everything that I need to do. Do, do you ever feel like you're not enough, moms? I think Bone's question was well put. Not enough for who? I really enjoy in one part in that movie, Mom's Night Out. And it's in the beginning and it kind of puts her over the edge. She's just so frustrated. You know, her, her husband comes home on, on Mother's Day. Didn't quite understand that. Man, you missed Mother's Day? But anyway, he comes home, and the house is trashed. It's horrible. And she's just hiding away up in her closet, okay? What a precious moment that, that, that they have right there. But the children... What the girl wrote on the wall. Figures, drawings, artwork. And she finds herself painting over it. And as she's painting over it, she suddenly stops. And she looks at it. And I think it's at the end of the movie, you realize what she has done and why she stopped. She put a frame around two or three of those last pictures. I'm not going to paint over them. They're precious to me. Moms, you're going to realize that even in those times where you feel like you failed, when you feel like this inconvenience 
has been so hard that life, if you can put it that way, has thrown you so many curves and your child is doing what again? That God is able to take those moments and as the master say, hey, hon, just back up a little bit. Let me take this. And he's able to take, make something so beautiful. Just like those little pictures that were now framed. <laughs> kind of low to the ground, not where you normally put pictures, right? But she framed them as moments in her life as a mom. In essence, saying, yeah, my kids did some really stupid things. But God has a way of taking those and making them so beautiful. Can you trust God for that? And in the, that moment in which you feel so inadequate, just say, okay, I am the Lord's servant. I feel like I'm just so blowing it. But the truth is, I am the Lord's servant. And I need you right now, God, to step in and take all of this chaos and just turn it into something beautiful. I have no idea what that's going to look like. But we serve a God who can do that. Can you believe that with me, moms? God is using you so profoundly to impact your children, to raise world changers, and he is going to take all of that and make something so beautiful. Can you stand with me and let's pray. Father, I, I want to thank you for every single mom who is here tonight. And in those moments in which they feel like they have just completely failed, in which life is overwhelming and they lost their temper again and their child cried as a result and they feel so horrible, I just pray, take all of that, God, as we now lay it on the altar and make this our prayer. Father, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of my weaknesses and failures, can you just take this right now, this mess, and you can, can you somehow just impart hope? Can you somehow take this horrible situation and turn it around for good? And there are some times, Lord, in our lives in which the enemy attacks and we are so vulnerable we couldn't protect, we, we couldn't do what we wanted to do. The enemy got in. Father, you're the master. You're the Lord. You have a call on every single one of our children's lives. Bring those calls to pass. Would you do this, God? In the midst of our imperfections, our inadequacies, would you do these amazing things? We trust you, God, in Jesus' name.